Genesis chapter number 50. We look at Genesis 50 tonight. We're going to look at a short passage. We're going to talk about some other areas in the book of Genesis. Looking tonight at Joseph, and Joseph, an example of how to deal with the adversities of life. Or bloom where you are. How many of you have ever had to deal with weeds? Or flowers growing up where you don't want them? Ever had to deal with those before? I used to work for a company called True Green Chemlon, and I started out in sales and went into production, and I got a service call. Those of you in the service industry, how much do you enjoy service calls? Brother Royce, I know you had some this week. You were really enjoying those. Brother Royce said, I got a phone call this week. How soon can you be here? 30 minutes. That's not soon enough. Royce was like, I, I don't have a DeLorean. I can't go back in time. But I got a service call, a property, and uh, on the service call, my boss called me and said, Brian, you, you burned spots in this lady's yard. She called. She's furious. You, you've burned spots in the grass. I called my boss on the radio. I said, Greg, I said, I guarantee you I did not damage that lady's property. I said, it's beautiful. I said, I'm not sure what's going on, but I'll drive out there. He said, well, just so you know, this lady is ready to kill you. And so that's always what you want to hear in the service industry. You're going to show up and someone wants to kill you. And I pulled up, and as I pulled up in front of the house, I started laughing. And I mean, I had to control myself before I got out of the vehicle to go and deal with this dear lady. Because I pulled up and I noticed in the front of the property, and I remembered because I've treated that property for a couple of years, was a beautiful rock garden. And I noticed when I was there last time that she had a lot of weeds growing up in that rock garden. When I pulled up, what I saw was all the weeds in the rock garden were all curled and brown and dead. And then what I saw was about a lady size eight or nine shoe print all the way from that rock garden, all the way to the front door of the house, burned dead patches of grass. I knew what happened. I went to the door. She came out. You destroyed my property. You ruined my grass. And I said, ma'am, can I ask you a couple questions? I calmed her down a little bit, and I said, did you have problems with weeds in your rock garden out front? And she said, yes, I did. And she said, I can't believe you all don't take care of that. I called and found out you all don't take care of rocks. I said, no, I said, that's not part of our service. She said, so I said, let me guess. I said, can I, can I guess what you did? I said, did you go to the home hardware store and you bought a bottle of Roundup? And she said, yeah. I said, let me guess, as you went out there and you sprayed and coated that gravel with Roundup and those rocks and you sprayed those weeds, and I said, after you sprayed that whole area with that non-selective weed killer, I said, did you walk from the gravel back to your house? Yeah, and then it clicked. And I said, ma'am, I said, you got that weed killer, which will kill anything on your shoes. 
I said, and it wasn't me that killed your grass. I said, accidentally, you tracked that through your yard. And she got very upset, not with me, at herself. And she was worried. And I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I said, I'll try to rake it out. We'll put some seed down. But she was upset originally because she had things growing where she didn't want them to grow. It's a beautiful property. Matter of fact, she lived on a, a golf course. Uh, the back of her property bordered a golf course. I mean, a beautiful country club area. It was gorgeous. Her grass was gorgeous. Trees were gorgeous. But in those rocks where she did not want anything growing, those weeds found a way to grow. You know, so oftentimes we get angry with God because we feel like God doesn't have us in the right place. We feel like that we don't have the perfect environment for us to flourish. And tonight I want us to look at Joseph and I want us to, to have the comparison and understand that Joseph did not have what we would call the perfect environment. Rather, Joseph had many adversities of life. And yet, where Joseph was, he bloomed where he was. Look here, if you will, with me in Exodus, or I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 50. We're going to look at verses 15 through 21. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead... They said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent messengers unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, and trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. I want you to notice a very important word in that verse. Unto good. It does not say God meant it for good. God meant it unto good. By the way, every word, every jot, every tittle in your Bible is important. Now, that word's very vital there as we understand this text. God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. In verse 21, Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Let's pray together. Lord, tonight as we examine just for a few moments this very familiar character in the Old Testament, Joseph, Lord, would you help us to learn a few simple lessons on how we can bloom where we are. Lord, so often we get angry with you. We get angry with situations of life. We get upset and feel as though we've been shortchanged and wrong done by and Lord, rather than flourishing and blooming, we fester. We fester with anger and guilt. We allow bitterness and the root of bitterness to take hold in our heart. Lord, tonight would you help us to see that you are in control, that you know what you're doing, and Lord, that we can simply trust you and go forward glorifying God. 
Bless us now, Lord. Help me to teach her right thy word this evening. God, would you be glorified tonight. May we uplift you. May we uphold you. In the name of Jesus, we pray and ask it all. Amen. A person's character, a person's character is very important. Uh, very important. I think of the character of Lot. Lot compromised his family. Lot compromised his standards. Lot compromised what he believed so that he might have what he wanted. Lot compromised that he might be important in the city of Sodom. He allowed his family to go down the drain. Think of Demas. Demas ran away in the battle. Demas forsook service of the Lord. Think of Peter. Peter, tempestuous Peter. Peter, Lord, I, you aren't going to do that. I'll go with you. Peter, who like spouted off, who, who had no filter, also came to a place where he didn't follow the Lord. He denied the Lord. I praise the Lord. God gave him that opportunity to come back and to serve. And how beautiful that picture. But we see Peter's character, a flaw in his character before that. In the Old Testament, there were three Hebrew young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I have a dear friend who pastors in Toledo area. He's a great big guy. His name is Ernie Portlock. He's an African-American guy, about six foot six, 300 pounds. I heard him preaching, preaching about these three men one day, and he called the last guy a bad Negro. Uh, but I think it's Abednego. And those three men did not bow. They had character. They had character that we see even in difficult time, they obeyed the Lord. Daniel, the same place, the same time, the Bible says Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He was a young man of character. Joseph, I believe, exemplifies the kind of character that we need as believers the kind of character that we can emulate to be able to deal with the adversities of life. And I want to see a couple of things about the character of Daniel. In verse 17, in our text we just read, we see that Joseph's heart was broken. It was not broken because his brothers had sold him into slavery. It was not broken because he had been in prison. It was not broken because he'd been lied about by Potiphar's wife. It was broken because his brothers believed that he was so petty that he would not forgive them. In verse 18, we see here, and this is, this is important. It says his brethren also went, and notice this, and fell down before his face. I believe we see in that verse Joseph's brothers finally getting right with Joseph. Now, I don't believe this is Joseph getting right with his brothers. Joseph forgave his brethren. But I believe we see here a picture of his brothers getting right with Joseph. But that's not what caused Joseph to forgive them. That's not what caused Joseph to keep from taking their lives after daddy passed away. Rather, Joseph was a man of character. In verse 20, 
powerful verse. Many people have called verse 20 of Genesis chapter 15, or chapter 50, the Romans 8.28 of the Old Testament. And I believe that's a fair assessment. It says in Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. With that in mind, I want you to look again at verse 20 in our text. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. So if it's true that God's in control, it is. If it's true that all things work together for good, not for our good, and I believe we see through the filter of this verse, we understand the book of Romans a little better. We see here that Joseph said here that God meant it unto good, that good could happen. Does that mean that there were a lot of good things that happened to bring Joseph where he was? No, but all the things that happened, the good and the bad, they were to bring about the good that God had. Now, if that's the case and God is bringing about good, why do we complain? Why do we get angry with God? Why do we look at our situation and blame God and get angry and bitter and stagnate or turn from our God, the one that loved us and died for us? Why do we resist and get proud? I want to give you just a few very simple thoughts tonight from Joseph's life. Some thoughts that I believe we can all apply to our hearts in dealing with the adversities of life. That we can behave correctly. How to behave. How to deal with adversity. Now, our gut reaction, our knee-jerk reaction, is normally not the right reaction. Number one, Joseph didn't get bitter he didn't get bitter from the cruel treatment that he received from his brothers. As we think about this matter of not getting bitter, number one tonight, Joseph very easily, when his brothers made fun of him, how, how many of you had siblings growing up? How many of you, keep your hands up, I'm not going to make you stand up like Brother Ahmad. That was dirty this morning. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to do that. But how many of you, I loved it. How, how many of you who have siblings ever fought with your sibling? Cheryl, you and your sisters, is her hand up? All three of you, put your hands up. Was there ever a bloody nose between the three of you? Probably. You have three sisters back there. We're going to start a fight tonight. But I, I fought with my sister. Absolutely. Uh, should I have fought with my sister, Brother Ahmad? No, but I did. My girls, man, they were like knocked down, drag out, blood bass in our house. As a matter of fact, that's why Hannah's not here tonight. She died this weekend. There was a fight. No, she's, I'm just kidding. She didn't die. She's just in the hospital. No, she is sick, though. Be praying for Hannah. She's under the weather. But I remember my girls, you were bad to each other. She was the worst. Like, no question, raise your hand, confess it, get on the altar tonight. Man, they fight with one another. Her and Elizabeth, man, there were some, there were some royal battles. Now, we've, we've been there. Brother Jim, you never fought with your siblings, did you? You were always a good brother. Yeah. You ever, you ever have to punch one of them in the nose? Oh, yeah, I figured. I never punched my sister in the nose. I'm afraid she beat me up. But you know what the knee-jerk reaction is? 
when your brother does something to you, torments you. That's what you want to do. <laughs> Man, I'm, you wouldn't look at him. Especially if you're the little brother, I imagine. I never was the little brother, but I imagine it's that frustration. Man, if I was big enough, I'd punch you in the nose. But number one here, don't get bitter. Don't get bitter. Joseph did not get bitter when it came to what his brothers did. The brothers had feelings of hatred. I'm not talking about just, you know, some, some little animosity. I'm not talking about some teasing or hazing. I'm, I'm talking about they had deep, rooted seeds of bitterness. How do I know that? Because they talked about killing him. We're talking about some hatred. And yet Joseph, as far as we can tell, didn't get bitter. Genesis 37 says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him. Hated. That's a powerful word. And could not speak peaceably unto him. They hated him. Not only did they hate him, they harassed him. They, they constantly harassed and picked that hatred came out, not mild teasing. I'm talking about the venom of hatred. I'm talking about despicable things said, no doubt, back and forth. Joseph was, if you let me use this phraseology in our terminology today, Joseph was actually in a dysfunctional family. You know, we read the Bible and we think, man, I wish I had a family like that family in the Old Testament. Probably one of the most dysfunctional families we read about in the book of Genesis is, is Joseph's family. I mean, we're talking about a family where the brothers said, okay, let's conspire to murder our brother. You can't get much more dysfunctional than that. Now, his father loved him, yes. Not only was it dysfunctional with his brothers, but... I believe even in his father uh, created some issues in the home by showing favoritism and love to one son over the other. He, I believe he bred some of that problem in the home. I, I believe he had to bear some of that. But it was a dysfunctional home. It was the rock ground. It was not good soil. And yet Joseph bloomed. Joseph did not get bitter, Christian. Be careful. It's really, really easy for us to get bitter. It's easy whenever we've been treated wrongly to get bitter. Hatred, get this statement. Hatred does more to damage the vessel in which it is stored more than the one upon which it is poured. Get that statement. Hatred does more to damage the vessel, the vessel in which it is stored than the one upon which it is poured. So often we allow that hatred to damage us. We get bitter. And when we get bitter, we don't follow and don't find the place that God has for us. Not only did they do and say horrible things, but they hurt them. I mean, they tossed him down a well. 
How many of you have fallen down a well this week? I'm probably the only one here that's most likely to fall down a well, Brother Ahmad. I imagine they tossed him in a well. I mean, they, they, they hurt him. They talked of killing him. They not only hurt him physically, but they said, we hate you so much. We're going to sell you as a slave. And we're going to tell dad you're dead. And we're finally going to be rid of you. Imagine the hurt that Joseph must have felt. Imagine as Joseph was tied up probably to follow the caravan of the Midianites. By the way, who were, who were very close relatives of Joseph. We're talking about folks that were descendants, descendants separated not far away from the lineage of Abraham. Pretty much, they sold him to their cousins. That's really what happened as a slave. As Joseph is walking away and seeing his brothers, good riddance, they hurt him. Christian, Sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes you're going to get hurt even in ministry. Brother Colton, this spring, he and B are going to be going to, to visit the Netherlands and preparing as God has for them in the future if he tears his coming to go and serve there. And if the Lord tears his coming, I know for a fact that there will come a time, maybe many times, in ministry, ministering to a, a group of people that He'll be hurt by those very people that he's going to spend his life serving. Sometimes you're hurt by those that should love you and care for you the most, like Joseph's brothers. Not a good situation. Not a good growing field, we would think. But yet God used Joseph because he did not get bitter. Christian, if we're honest... A lot of us find ourselves in the root of bitterness. And we're happy to be there. We feel justified. We feel vindicated. We feel it's our right to be bitter because this is what somebody did to me. And we do not grow to what God wants us to be. Joseph didn't get bitter. You know, every one of us have something that we could be bitter about. You know, here's what we do. We look at people. I look at Brother Bonnie and say, well, Brother Bonnie, I mean, he's got everything's good in his life. If I have what he had, then I wouldn't be bitter at God. Then Brother Bonnie looks at me. Well, if I have Brother, Brother Pastor Rice had, I wouldn't be bitter at God. You know, we, we look at everybody else and we think it's all better everywhere else except for here. We all have something we could be bitter about. We all have something in our life or we'll have many things that we could choose to allow to make us bitter, or we could just bloom where we are. We could grow where we are, as Joseph did. The Bible says, as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. He didn't say, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I liked being thrown in the well. He wasn't a masochist wasn't a sadist. He didn't say, oh, I really liked when you hated me and you smacked me and you, you sold me as a slave. That was great. No. He said, but God meant it unto good. 
How powerful that thought. Number one, don't get bitter. Joseph didn't get bitter from cruel treatment. Number two, Joseph was not beguiled by Potiphar's wife. What character he had, being away from home, away from his brethren, away from the influence of his family, away from the influence of the culture he knew. He could have yielded to the temptation easily. Easily. But he did not. He did not. We need to realize that as we walk with the Lord, that we need to have the character to withstand the temptation that lays in our way. This morning, as I got out of the vehicle to walk into the building early this morning, I, I saw outside several little pieces of foil out on the sidewalk. For those of you that do not know, many of those in the streets, they'll buy their drugs inside of those little pieces of foil. Don't ever, ever, ever let your kids pick those up. Don't ever touch them. Any of those cut with fentanyl very easily just touching could literally kill somebody. And I told my wife this morning as we walked in, I said, honestly, those right there are probably more dangerous than sharpened drug needles laying on the ground. It's a dangerous thing. You and I as believers, sometimes we walk through some dangerous territory. I'm not going to go into the temptation of Joseph here, but that temptation, that the beguiling of Potiphar's wife was a danger. It was a pitfall. It was something that he could easily have fallen into. It was a trap that was sprung, waiting. But Joseph was not beguiled. He did right. Number one, he wasn't daunted by our looks. You know, the devil will do everything he can to tempt you, to give you his best sales pitch. I think of Moses who said that he would choose rather to suffer affliction with his people than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Sin is pleasurable for a season. For a season. For a little while. You see, Joseph understood. Joseph understood the reality of where he was and not yielding to temptation. We need to realize and be careful. The Bible says uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it speaks now concerning the things wherever I wrote unto me, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Joseph did not yet have the New Testament. Joseph didn't have the teaching of Jesus Christ yet that said, the Old Testament says unto you, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say he so looketh on a woman to lust after her. He, he didn't have that. And yet he made it. Yet he was successful where he was. Say, Pastor, 
He went to prison. Yeah, he was successful in that. Your success does not depend on where you are in life. Your success depends on whether you obey the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you honor God with your life. You see, so often we want to look at the wrong measuring sticks of what success is. Joseph grew and bloomed to God's glory, even in a wasteland of temptation, in a danger zone. By the way, he wasn't distracted by her lying. Potiphar's wife said to him, hey, my husband will never know. My husband doesn't care. He says it's okay. By the way, the devil will lie to you too. Nobody will know. It won't really affect you. It, it, won't, it won't keep you from honoring God. The Bible says that she was after him on a daily basis, and it came to pass as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he hastened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. Joseph was concerned about his testimony. Young people, can I talk with you for a second tonight? Be careful about your testimony. Be careful about your testimony. The devil doesn't care about it. Your friends honestly don't care about your testimony, but God does. I bought one new vehicle in my life. Brother Maude, unless I lose my mind, it'll probably be the last new vehicle I ever buy. But I bought a new vehicle back in 1995. I bought a Ford Ranger. I, it was between that, I almost bought a Honda Del Sol. How many of you remember the Honda Del Sol? Brother, Brother Bonnie, I wanted one of those. Man, I, had, I wanted the green one. I had it picked out. The SI, I, oh yeah. Hallelujah, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. The VTech and everything. I, I had it picked out. That's what I was going to buy. And I, I made the mistake, Brother Mott, of going, of going car shopping with my dad. I was in Bible college. I came home to go do some car shopping. and I said, Dad, I, I think I want to buy one of those. And my dad said, oh, that's useless. Only has two seats. That's no good. You don't need that. Now, what my dad didn't say, Jim, but what he meant was, you'll kill yourself in that. So he ended up steering me to buy a vehicle with all kinds of seats, a Ford Ranger with two seats. Uh, but I bought, well, I take that back. We, I did have some different guys in there, but if you, whoever sat in the middle, you had to really like them uh, because it was a five-speed. You might accidentally, you know, yeah, touch their leg, Brother Bonnie. You had to be careful. But I bought that new car, new truck. It was nice. It was perfect. It was new. A few weeks after I got it, I was in an accident. It was never the same, Brother Mon. It wasn't new anymore. I didn't care what happened to that truck after that. I'd have driven it off a cliff. I didn't care. It wasn't, I already damaged it. Can I tell you, when you damage your testimony, it does irreparable damage to those around you. Joseph walked guard around his testimony. And even in the midst of temptation, he grew in God's eyes. He bloomed for the glory of God. How powerful that testimony. Joseph said, 
In Genesis 39, 9, there is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me. Speaking of Potiphar. Neither hath he kept back anything from me because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness? By the way, in Egypt, it wasn't considered wickedness. No big deal. But in Joseph's eyes, he knew that God saw it as wickedness. And sin against God. By the way, a God, the Potiphar's wife did not even believe him. And yet Joseph walked guard around his testimony. And he was able to grow and bloom where he was. He was not destroyed. Those weeds in that rock garden, that lady sprayed and walked on and tracked that through her yard. Those weeds were destroyed. So many Christians end up being destroyed in their testimony, in their walk with God, in their effectiveness for the ministry because we fall for the traps of Satan. Yesterday, I believe it was, or day before, if you're following our Bible reading schedule, you read the passage in the book of Proverbs about the strange woman, how she waiteth. She was waiting for the young man. In the end of that proverb, it says that he had no idea the destruction that was coming. Joseph avoided that destruction. Number three tonight, we'll close with this thought. Joseph was not broken. Joseph was not broken by prison while awaiting release. Joseph in prison bloomed where God had him in a difficult place. He was not broken. I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but in Genesis 41, verse 9 through 12, we find out that there were two men there who had a dream. They brought him to Joseph. Joseph said, I, I can interpret the dream. God gave it to me. You're going to be killed. You're going to get released. Don't forget me once you get out of here. You're going to die. I don't care about you. But don't forget me once you get out of there. And what did he do? He forgot him. You ever feel like you've been forgotten? You ever feel like nobody cares and nobody even knows where you are? You ever feel like God has forgotten you? Just waiting. Joseph easily could have been broken while he was waiting. But the best we can tell, God blessed him. He honored him. He was forgotten and he was forsaken. That, that's not the best environment to grow in. Forsaken and forgotten, yet blooming for God. We want to get mad. We want to look at those that we blame. There's a reason I can't honor the Lord. I'll tell you why I'm not serving the Lord because that person did this to me or, or God has forgotten and God hasn't brought me where he should have me. Joseph could have done that and he would not have saved his people. He would not have honored his father. God would have had to have chosen someone else to save the nation of Israel.
Joseph was not broken. A year ago, I tore my patella tendon out on the stairs. And when I slipped, I felt it snap. Before I hit the ground, I knew what happened because I'd done it before. I knew that feeling. I, I knew that what had happened was the tendon that connects this to the top of my leg had snapped in half. And that my leg was separated. Brother Eric, it's not a good feeling. I, I, I don't recommend it. But I knew what happened. I knew oh, the pain that came. I knew that separation. I was in a difficult situation to walk. Josh and Rebecca helped me get in the car. They, they kind of drugged me and tossed me in the vehicle. You put me in the back seat upside down or something, I don't remember. Drove me home. You know, if they had called me tomorrow, if the country of, if, if Canada had called the Olympic, the Olympic uh, organization in Canada, Brother Maud, and said, hello, Pastor Rice, this is the, the Olympic organization. We are contacting you to see if we could get you to represent Canada uh, as a marathon runner uh, this year in the Olympic Games. I would have said, absolutely, I'll show No, I would have said, hey, I'm not in any condition to run. I'm not even in a condition to walk. I'm barely in a condition to stand. They wouldn't have chosen me. By the way, if I didn't fall, they wouldn't choose me. They might choose one of you, but they're not going to choose me. Joseph was in prison. If I'm choosing somebody to lead Egypt, second in command only to Pharaoh, if I'm choosing somebody to save the nation of Israel and I'm looking all across the world for somebody that I, if I'm God to raise up, Joseph is not in the place where I'm thinking, man, I'm going to call him. That's the guy I'm going to call up. But God did. Because Joseph wasn't broken. He wasn't broken by being forsaken. He kept his faith in God. He kept his faith in God. I want to pull something up quickly if I can find it. Bear with me just a second here. There it is. I couldn't remember the exact year. 68 years ago today. 68 years ago on this date. A man named Jim Elliott gave his life for the gospel. Jim Elliott gave his life for the cause of pioneer missions, sacrificing his life that those who did not even want the gospel could finally hear. It's an amazing story how God would use the sacrifice of that dear man that the gospel would go forth. The world, 68 years ago, looked at Mr. Elliot and said, what a waste of a life. What a failure. 
What a useless man. God in heaven said no. He bloomed exactly where I wanted him to. And because of Mr. Elliot not being broken and not giving up and reaching a people that he desired to know the Lord Jesus Christ, yes, he lost his life. But can I tell you, there were many who came to know Christ and gained life eternal because he was not broken. Joseph saved his people because he was not broken. Look out tonight in a group of folks, many of us, we're susceptible to being broken. We're susceptible to allowing being forgotten and forsaken to break us. Losing our faith of not forgiving Imagine if Joseph had never forgiven his brethren. What would have happened in Genesis 50? He would have said, yep, I'm killing you. You're done now. But he glorified God. He forgave before they asked forgiveness. I, I don't see, looking in Scripture, I don't believe it was until Genesis 50. Until his brothers actually got right with him. But Joseph's heart was right with his brethren when he was in the well. When he was in prison. That's how God could use him. Genesis 41, verse 51, And Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. For God, said he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. The word Manasseh means to forget. What Joseph did, he forgot the bad. Pastor, you're saying the, the bad doesn't matter, it doesn't count? No. I'm saying don't dwell on it. Don't bring it up. Don't live with it in front of you. Turn away from it. Because God wants you, even in the difficult areas of life, even in that dysfunctional Family, maybe, like Joseph had. Even in a difficult area, God wants you to bloom for his glory. God wants us to react correctly to the adversity in life. The Bible says that Joseph, the name of the second, he called Ephraim. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Ephraim means double fruit. Double fruit. You know what Joseph said? Here in this hard place, all the things that I've gone through, God's given me a double portion. God's allowed greatness that I can't even understand. Christian, God can do that in your life, and he can do that through you if you, we will respond correctly to the adversity and the trials of life. And I know... I know somebody will say tonight, <laughs> Pastor Rice, you don't know what I've gone through. I, I, I know that's going through somebody's mind. You don't understand. You don't know what it's like. You've never been there. You're right. I don't. But God does. And he means it. He means it 
unto good. Unto good. Remember, his brothers had been cruel to him. They threw him in the well. They sold him as a slave. But Joseph's response to those, now therefore fear ye not. I'll nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto him. Can I tell you who that reminds me of? It reminds me of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 says he was wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes were healed, and yet it said he answered not again. Jesus Christ went through the horrors of Calvary for you and for me. We see a picture of Christ here in Joseph after all we've done unto him. The Lord said from the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Joseph said, after all you've done, I love you. I'll care for you. Jesus said he'd give us rest. He said he'd meet our needs. Joseph, one of the patriarchs of Israel, because he had character. He had character to go through difficult situations. How many of you have a an all-wheel drive vehicle. Some of you do. I, I have one. It's not working, I don't think, Joel. I got to talk to you about it. Uh, but you know, yeah, there's a big difference in driving an all-wheel drive vehicle and driving a rear-wheel drive vehicle. You know, if you got a pickup truck, a two-wheel drive pickup truck, and you start trying to drive, and we get some icy weather, you've probably learned that it's difficult. It's a struggle. That all-wheel drive vehicle goes a little better. Some of you, you know the difference between snow tires and summer tires. You can go a little better. You got a little more traction. Uh, you're able to go through the difficulties of life. But you know, you get a piece of flat drive pavement. I remember driving across Nebraska. How many have ever been in Nebraska? There's nothing there, Ahmad. Nothing. I'm driving across Nebraska 20 years ago, 21 years ago. And I literally told Carrie, I said, I wish I had a broomstick and a bungee cord. I'd bungee the steering wheel straight, and I'd stick a broomstick on the gas pedal, and I'd go to sleep because the road was just dead poker straight. No elevation change, just it was the most boring drive I've ever done in my life. It was horrible. I mean, just like... Now, that kind of drive, man, you can take any vehicle on that. But you let it be a blizzard with icy roads and hills and, and side hills. And, man, you better have a vehicle that can handle some rough roads. Christian God is able to go with you through the difficulties of life as well as the good times of life. If we trust him. And God, even in the rocky gardens of life, can cause you to bloom. Some of the people right now that you look back at and you respect, 
some people that had an influence on you, an effect on you, maybe a pastor, maybe a preacher, maybe an author that you've read. Most of them, although they bloomed, if you found and looked at their life and their history, you'd find that it wasn't easy. It wasn't the perfect situation. But they weren't broken. They bloomed where God put them. They honor the Lord Jesus Christ. May we do so and see what God can do. Even in the darkest day and the darkest night, God's still God. We can trust him. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the example of Joseph. Lord, how humbled I am as I think of what he went through. And yet, he wasn't bitter. God, would you forgive us for the bitterness that we hold on to so often. Lord, I see Joseph and I see the, the danger that was in front of him. And yet he was not beguiled. God, would you forgive us for falling in temptation. Lord, help us to commit afresh and anew, even in the minefield of a dangerous world and a dangerous culture when it comes to sin all around us. Lord, that we would commit to purity and holiness and righteousness. That we would commit to bloom where you've put us to honor you even if it means not being popular. Even if it means the world looking at us as a failure. Lord, I thank you for Joseph, Lord, that he was not broken. Lord, I'm afraid too often we let this world break us down. We let our expectations break us. We let our understanding of the way things we think should be break us. Lord, I pray that we would trust you. Lord, I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm looking forward to being in a place where there's no more sin, no more curse. How wonderful that would be. But Lord, I thank you that down here in this world of sin and shame, in this land that is cursed because of sin, that we can glorify you and that we can bloom for your glory. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you tonight. Lord, I thank of Mr. Elliot. Lord, now almost seven decades he's been with you in heaven. Lord, what an effect that life that we say taken so short had for the cause of Christ. God, help us. Help us to let you make our lives count. Help us to live in such a way that we can affect, affect eternity for others. Help us to react correctly to adversity. Lord, would you work in hearts and decisions made here this evening. And God, may you be glorified tonight as we seek to honor you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Rick Colton, if you would lead us in a song of invitation. Let's sing 470. I have decided to follow Jesus, and we'll stand as we sing. Number 470. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus.
Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Though turning back, no turning back. Do we mean that? Can I tell you when you determine if you mean it? When it's hard to follow. When it becomes a reality. May we truly commit to following him. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, we love gathering with our family here, worshiping you, praising you, hearing the wonderful praise reports and blessings. Lord, we leave tonight to go out into a sin-cursed world. Lord, we face all the problems that come along with what sin has done to our culture and our world. Lord, it's difficult. Many here tonight put aside a burden, a great burden, and walked in without it for a few moments, and Lord, tonight they're going to walk back out to the same burden, the same trouble. Lord, I pray that we would respond correctly. God, help us to bloom. Help us to grow where you have us. Help us to honor you. And God, would you use us to lift up Jesus Christ in our culture and our world. May others see Jesus through us. Dismiss us now with your grace, Lord. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.